0: Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, I think I'm ready to preach. <laughs> man, I'm fired up today. Man, fire of heaven. Amen. Do we believe the Word of God? Yes. Listen, we need to be a people that just don't read it, but we believe it. Amen. I, I, I've told you this before, but I used to work with a, a man that, you know, that's forgotten more than I'll ever learn. The guy's brilliant. And he used to say all the time, Quentin. The Bible is first a book to be believed in, second to be understood. And when we approach the word of God, we approach it in faith. Amen. If we don't approach it in faith, then guess what? It's not going to do anything in us. Amen. Y'all better talk today. All right. That's all I'm going to say. Listen, listen. I know. I know we're New Englanders. Okay. Take me to Bama today. All right. Talk to me. Ah, listen, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you today for your word. God, we are people who believe it wholeheartedly. God, we don't just uh, halfway believe it, but God, with all of our hearts, we believe it passionately. God, father, we take you at your word, God, and we believe today, God, that you said what you meant and you meant what you said. And so, Lord, today we just open up our hearts wide and God, we say, fill it with the word, fill it with the word, fill it with the word. God, we know that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And so, Lord, today, God, we just open up our hearts wide, God, and we just pray dump truck, fill it up, fill it up today. Revelation, revelation, revelation. Father, thank you that Jesus is the word. Thank you that the Holy Spirit came to reveal that word. And Holy Spirit, we're asking today that you would come and reveal, that you would come teach, that you would come increase the anointing in this place. Increase your presence, increase your power in this place and help us to believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, for the past few weeks, we've been in a really practical series on prayer Called basically everyday possibilities. And there's a simple thought gang that this is that everyday impossibilities become possible when you pray. Amen. So today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the power of prayer, the power of prayer. So for time's sake, we're going to jump right into the word this morning. So if you don't mind, go ahead and turn to first Kings chapter 17, first Kings chapter 17. While you're turning there, I want to go ahead and kind of set this up. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we are introduced to a great prophet of God, and it's different than a lot of other people's stories. A lot of other people, we see them kind of their maturation process. But with this guy, he busts on the scene already the spiritual giant. His name is Elijah. Somebody say Elijah. Elijah. So, you know, the name Elijah, i got to be honest with you, that's a name that I was dead set on. The fact that, man, when I have my firstborn son, I'm going to name him Elijah. And if you know today that we have three sons and none of them are named Elijah, (laughs) Jesus and Jen had a different thing in mind. Okay, so anyways, so I haven't had my Elijah. So either I'm going to have to have a grandkid and convince one of my kids to name Elijah or I got to get a goldfish (laughs) because the factory is going to be shut down in Jesus name. All right. Four is enough. Not trying to get a basketball team. All right. Here we go. So. Listen, the reason I love the name Elijah is because I love the meaning of the name. See, there's something about the power of a name, right? We just sang it. And there's this side that that when I believe when I speak to my kids, if this freaks you out, it's all right. But when I speak to my kids that I think that I am prophesying their nature and their calling and their destiny over their lives. Amen. So listen, so every one of our kids name, Jen and I prayed and prayed and prayed, believing that we would hear from heaven and we would know what God wants to name them. Amen. You can see that throughout the Bible. Jacob became Israel, right? You can see it throughout the Bible where people sought God and their names were something significant. So Elijah not that different. Elijah basically a combination of two words. The first part, Eli, means strength or power, strength or power. The last part, Jah, we know hallelujah, means God. So this guy's name actually means the strength or power of God. What an awesome name, right? So with this guy, if you know anything about Elijah, you know that, man, if there's anything that has marked this guy's life, it was the miraculous power of God. So let's dive in this morning and I'm going to give you a lot. So I hope you're ready. But first Kings chapter 17, verse one says this. It says, And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives. Get that he's standing before the king and he's saying this as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Somebody say except at my word. Listen, for the first moment that we're introduced to this crazy guy named Elijah, we not only see that this guy is willing to pray bold prayers, but he also has a crazy confidence that God God answers prayer. And he has this crazy confidence that there's power in prayer. So, in fact, listen to this, that we can be so confident that this guy can be so confident in the power of prayer that he comes and he actually tells King Ahab, he says, look here, fella, I'm going to go pray. And when I pray, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to pray that it stops raining and it's going to stop raining. And guess what? I'm so confident that in that prayer that God's going to answer that it's not going to rain until I say different. How do you know that's confidence? Listen, and you know what happens? It stopped raining. And not only did it stop raining, but literally watch this. Let me maybe back up. Let me help you out a little bit here. He said, listen, I'm going to pray that it's going to stop raining. And it's only just going to stop raining for a few hours or maybe a day or two or maybe a season. He says, fella, it's going to not rain for years, years. 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 Best weatherman that's ever lived right there for years. All right. And here's what happens that not only did it quit raining, but even if you went outside at dawn in the morning and you try to search every blade of grass, you couldn't even find a single drop of dew on the ground. Wow, huh? Somebody say the power of prayer. prayer. Listen, you may be wondering, why would Elijah ever pray something crazy like that? Because that seems like, man, an absurd kind of prayer. But I want you to know today that obviously he was motivated by the Father to pray that. He was motivated by God to pray that. But what God was up to is God was trying to get the Israelites' attention. He was trying to get their hearts back. He was trying to woo them again. He was trying to get them to turn their heart back to him. Because here's the deal. The problem was is that you had King Ahab and his lovely wife Jezebel. That's a joke. She was a demon. All right. So, yeah, King Ahab and you had Jezebel. These guys hated the God of Israel. Hated him with a passion. A passion. And watch this. So here they are as the leaders of this nation. This is why we better pray when we vote. The leaders of the nation, they said what? You know, basically, because we hate God so much. What inadvertently happened is, as they begin to lead the people of Israel. They begin to lead their hearts away from God to start to worshiping Baal. That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. So let's continue with the story here because I want you to see today the amazing partnership that Elijah had with God. So watch this. Through verses 2 through 7, we're not going to read it, but we see that after Elijah's encounter with Ahab that God spoke to him and said, Hey, man, you need to go to the brook of Sharif. And he said this. Now watch this. He said, because I have commanded some ravens, some birds to provide for you during this next season of the drought. And watch this. So Elijah obeys God and he goes to the brook of Sharif and he sits down, starts, I don't know, uh, filling with a stick. I don't know. And and a raven comes in the morning and a raven brings him bread and a raven brings him meat. He eats it. He goes, drinks from the brook. At evening, another raven comes in, brings him bread and brings him meat. He eats it and drinks from the brook. So he literally spent a season basically uh, enjoying the supernatural provision of God. Somebody say, "Wow." wow. So watch this. Just as in any drought, after a while, the brook dried up due to a lack of rain. And then we go to verses 8 through 16. We see that once the brook dried up, God spoke to Elijah again. Now, how many of you guys know that every time God speaks to you, it requires another step of faith? So God spoke to him and said, hey, hey Elijah, it's time. The brook dried up. Now you need to go to Zarephath because there's a widow there that's going to provide for you during this next season. One would think that, you know what, that's an upgrade. We're going from birds to people. All right? But the only problem was, is Elijah rolls up, right? Elijah rolls up, he comes into Zarephath, he hadn't had anything to eat, he hadn't had anything to drink, he was hungry, and he was thirsty, and he sees the widow that the Lord chose, that the Lord provided, and what's the woman doing? She's picking up sticks. She's gathering sticks, and then Elijah finds out in a moment, he discovers it real quick, that the woman's plan here, this is her master plan, you're talking about a purpose in life. She says, you know what, I'm picking up these sticks because I'm going to go home, and I'm going to take that little bit of flour I have, and that little bit of oil I have, and my son and I, guess what we're going to do? We're going to bake a cake, we're going to eat that cake, and then we're going to die. That's who the Lord chose. Watch this. Yep, because it was all that was left, was all that she had. You cannot tell me at that moment that in the natural, Elijah didn't want to scratch his head, look up to heaven and go, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Anybody ever thought that with God? Because I sure enough have. But watch how the man of God responds to her. First Kings seventeen, thirteen says, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Why? Because it was going to require faith to get the miracle. And fear is the opposite of faith. Amen. Watch this. He said, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. It says, but make me a small cake from it first. Somebody say, uh-oh. uh-oh. It says, and bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. I'm going to pause right there go totally off track of what I want to really talk about today. Watch this. I cannot read that verse without thinking about and offerings. I can't. And it's so funny that here we are, guess what, that we live in a real world and we have real bills and there's a real IRS. Right. There's real there's real bill collectors out there and they want their money. And I look at the money I have. And a lot of times it's easy to get in fear. And then a preacher comes along, not for themselves, but says the word of God. Here's how the kingdom works. That if you give your tithe, which is a 10 percent, not after Uncle Sam and after your bills, but before it all first fruits. Right. That he says, if you give your tithe and guess what, if you give your offering on top of that, guess what will happen? That the miracles of heaven will come. And in fear, we say, I don't believe that. Look, there's a room full of people that I can tell you that know what it's like to not have two pennies to rub together, as they say in the South. And they've watched God provide because they've obeyed the word. Amen. Amen. Listen, what happens here? It says that Elijah began to prophesy to this lady. And it says in verse 14, it says, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour, the, the bank account. Shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Great place to say amen. Amen. What do you guys think that happened? What do you think happened exactly like God said? Watch this. Because this widow from Zarephath obeyed God. Guess what? That her and her son, not just Elijah... Not just the man of God, but her and her son got to enjoy the supernatural provision of the Lord during a drought where people were dying all around them. Because they obeyed the word. Don't get quiet on me today. (laughs) Listen, in verses 17 through 24, watch this. I'm going to help somebody out today. There's this There's this idea that in the middle of revival, in the middle of God moving, in the middle of God's provision, that everything's going to go well. And then we roll down to verses 17 through 24, and a tragedy happens. In the middle of Elijah, in the middle of the widow, in the middle of the son, enjoying all this provision, guess what? The son gets sick and he dies. Uh-oh. But watch this. The widow falls apart. Understandable, right? But how does Elijah respond to this tragedy? He responds by praying another, another bold prayer. I love this guy. The Bible says that he what? That he went over to the woman and he took the dead body out of her arms. She's grieving, falling apart. He says, give me the boy. And he, say, and he walks and he goes up to the upper room where he stayed. And I want you to know today that there's still power in the upper room. Amen? Yes. Listen, that he goes and he lays that boy on the bed. And this Bible says that he begins to pray a bold prayer because he believes in the power of prayer. Amen? Yes. Now watch this in verse 21. It says this. It says, and he, Elijah, stretched himself out on the child three times. You know what that means? Y'all know what that means? It means it didn't work the first time. And it also means it didn't work the second time. But thank God he didn't give up. Amen? Too often we give up. And the thing is, the Bible says, hey, stick with it. Amen? Look, it it took Daniel 21 days to get the answer. Don't give up. Amen? Listen, it says that Elijah cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Somebody say, heard the voice. Heard the voice. It says, then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. At that point, Elijah picks the child up, goes downstairs, and gives the mom, here's your son back, receive a miracle, because prayer works. Amen? Watch this. Then we roll out of chapter 17, we roll into 18, and watch what it says in verse 1. We're about to do a circle here. It says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Y'all get that? In three years, we find out later in the Bible, it's actually three and a half years, not a drop of rain, not a drop of dew. For three and a half years, dry as dry can be. Watch this. Here's what God spoke to Elijah. This is huge. Don't miss this. He said, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So what does Elijah do? I love this. When he goes and he presents himself to Ahab, this is probably the most recognizable story of this whole man's life. He rolls up in there and he says, hey, Ahab, hey, bud, hey, why don't you gather all of Israel? You're the leader. Really, your wife is. But why don't why don't you go ahead and try? Maybe she'll let you, if you know the story. <laughs> if anybody ever calls you a Jezebel, it's not a compliment, okay? So anyways, so he says, Ahab, why don't you go ahead and, and, and gather up all those people? And oh, by the way, while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and get those 450 prophets of Baal? And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and get those 400 prophets of Asherah? Because here's what's going to happen today. Today I'm going to challenge them to a great competition of let's see whose God is real. Watch this. Everybody gathers, and I love. Elijah screams out because there was no microphone. in First 1 King 1821, he declares this. He says, "How long will you falter between two opinions? Somebody in this room needs to hear that today. Yes. How long would you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Bell is God, follow him. Yes. I hope somebody's hearing that today. Yes. If God is God, follow him. And quit doing it half-hearted. Yes. Go in all the way. Jump in. Dive in. It gets better. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen. So listen. But if he's not God, then walk away and do what you're doing. Once you know, you'll find out in a minute he's real. So it's all right. So jump in. <laughs> but here's what I love about this. It, it says that when, when Elijah screamed that, quit faltering between two decisions or two opinions, right? When he screams that out, it says that all the people, the whole nation just looked at him. And then say a word. Why? Because man, there's something about when an anointed man of God shows up and watch this and that he believes what he's talking about. He's got that crazy look in his eye, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> So you guys know what happened. They decided, hey, we're gonna build two altars. Prophet Sabel, you get your altar. Elijah, you get your altar. We're going to put wood on that altar, wood on that altar. We're going to cut up some two bulls. We're going to put one there and one there. But here's the trick. You're not allowed to light it. Because here's how we're going to determine who's the winner of this competition. Look at verse 24. It says, Then you, prophets of Baal, this Elijah talking, call on the name of your gods. And I, Elijah, will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire wins. Look at that. The God who answers by fire, he is God. This is where I just want to say, thank you, God, that we have in Hebrews that our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> Amen. Listen, we know what happened. The prophets of Baal, they went first. It's almost like this. It's almost like Elijah said, hey, look, man, uh, look, the TV stations are here. And we're going to get much better ratings if you go first. <laughs> right? So, listen, Atlanta Falcons... You can do what you want to do the first half, but the Patriots are coming second. I'm trying to become a fan here, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I think I was the only person in uh, in Maine that was rooting for the Atlanta Falcons, just so you know. So I was. It's all right. Somebody bought me a jersey. They're believing it's going to be a mantle and an anointing that's going to touch my life. It's going to change me. Okay, so anyways, so. So here's what happens, though. So he says, hey, fellas, why don't you go ahead and go first? And for six hours, get that, for six hours, they hollered and screamed in prayer. Y'all think I'm loud today? These people were loud, okay? They were hollering, screaming, and after a while they said, man, that's not working. And so they started jumping up and down like Noah, right, in worship, and, and they started dancing around their altar. You ever, ever seen that on the, on the Nature Channel or the Geographic Channel? It's the same thing. They were, they were going ballistic trying to stir up this demon god, right? And watch this. After a few hours, I love the fact that these guys got so desperate. They said, man, if he's not going to respond to our screaming and our hollering, if he's not going to respond to our wild dancing, then maybe if we begin to cut ourselves with knives, he'll notice. Maybe if we shed some of our blood, he'll notice. Six hours. Six hours they tried to get their God's attention. And listen, they got so ridiculous at one point. I love it. Elijah, I love this dude's personality. He mocked them. In verse 27, he said this cry aloud for he is a God. Either he's meditating or maybe he's busy. Maybe he's listening to somebody else right now, right? Maybe the other side of the world, right? Maybe he's on a journey with one of his better friends. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe whatever. He's on a field trip, right, with some of his kids. Or, or, Or perhaps he is sleeping and he must be awakened. Listen, but after all their shenanigans, right? Nothing happened. The wood and the bull Stay perfectly still, perfectly untouched. Nothing happened. Y'all know the story, right? Listen, and finally, I love it. Elijah said this. He said, all right, fellas, that, look, look, man, look, that's enough. Get out of the way. Look, it's my turn. Just move. You, you, know, I, you know, the young kids now, they're like, right? They do that thing. That I'm like, stop. That's stupid, right? Anyways, but he, but he kind of said, hey, what, what, it's, it's my turn. Watch this. Now, the Bible says that he walked over to the altar that was designated for him, and the Bible says that he put it back together, that it was broken. And I'm assuming here, okay? I'm assuming that why would it be broken? I'm assuming that they acted like such nuts and crazy people that they broke his altar down. So he's over there saying, all right, I'm going to show you. He's putting his stuff back together. And the Bible says he takes 12 stones and puts it around the altar. And the 12 stones were a representation of the tribes of Israel. And I believe that he was trying to remind the crowd, look, you need to remember your real identity. You need to remember your real God. And then he gets this idea, say, you know what, TV ratings can go, you know, we need those things to shoot up to another level. So listen, we've we got to make this thing harder for God. And he goes, God, what are we going to do? And the Lord gives him an idea, say, God, that's a really good idea. And he looks over to a few people in the crowd. He says, hey, you, hey, go give me some water. And he goes, I want you to, not once, not twice, but three times, I want you to drench this sacrifice this bull that's cut up with water and these uh, pieces of wood, I want you to, I literally want you to just, man, pour all kinds of water on it. And the Bible actually says before all this that he dug a trench around it. And it says that after the three dumpings of water that there was, not only was the wood soaked, the sacrifice soaked, but there was so much water it even filled the trench up. Now listen, listen, I know I'm from Bama, but wet wood don't burn. All right? Then the Bible says that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it was the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah looked around and he said this. Fellas, you, you might want to take a step back because I'm about to pray a bold prayer. Listen to what he prayed. Are you all okay? Yeah. Good. Me too. First King 18, 36-39 says this. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. That's bold, isn't it? Verse 37, he says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. There's the plan. Then it says in verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord, then, after he prayed, right? Right? After he prayed, right? Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. And verse 39 says, now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, Yahweh, he is God. The Lord, he is God. God's plan worked. Amen. Somebody say the power of prayer. prayer. Now listen, most of us know what happened next. Elijah, basically, they, they, they killed the 450 prophets of Baal. The stakes were high. You lose, you die, okay? They'd say that before, but they killed all the people, and obviously when everybody saw it was God, obviously they were for it. But so the four hundred and fifty prophets die, and then he walks over to Ahab, who's just sitting there, right, jaw probably down to his knees in total shock. He throws his arm around him and says, Hey buddy, you might want to go eat something and go home because I hear this sound of abundance of rain. And obviously he wasn't hearing it in the natural, but he was hearing it in the spirit because he knew what God said. Amen? Amen. Now listen, it says in verses forty one through forty six, and we're almost done, full circle, says that Elijah went and he bowed down on the ground and he prayed a bold prayer. Now let me ask you a question really quick and I'll keep hinting to it. But did God not tell Elijah that when he presented himself before King Ahab, did he not say that after he did that he was going to send rain? Did he say that? Wave your hand down if you know what he said. I'm gonna give you some aerobics today. Alright, here we go. Getting you worked out before you get that lunch. Alright, here we go. Burn a calorie or two. Eat an extra biscuit. Alright? So, but listen, did, did, uh, did Elijah know that it was the will of God that rain would come? Everybody say yes, yes, alright, yes, alright. Listen, here, but here's what I gotta ask you. Then why did he still have to pray? Did he still have to pray? Watch this. We're going to kick a sacred cow today in the name of Jesus. All right. Listen, it says this, that after Elijah bowed to the ground and he prayed that bold prayer, it says that he got up and he looked at the servant. He said, hey, boy, he said, run over to the sea and I want you to look out there and see if you can see a cloud, see if you can see anything coming. So Elijah waits, the boy runs, he looks, he looks, looks, if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, what his eagle eyes could see, right? Anyways, that's Legolas. Anyway, so he's looking out there, and he saw nothing, and he, and he runs back to Elijah, and he says, he says, boss man, I don't see a thing. He goes, alright, let's pray again. He got down on the ground again, he prayed the same bold prayer, run, nothing, come back, pray again, run, nothing, come back. They did this seven times. Most of us would have quit. Yes? There's a theme here. Don't quit. All right. And the seventh time the boy comes running back and he says this. He says, he says, Elijah, he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And the Bible says that a few minutes later, a short period of time, the, literally the whole sky turned black and that literally the heavens opened and it poured out a heavy rain. Pretty awesome, huh? Somebody say the power of prayer. Listen, I, I know I said a lot there about Elijah. I said on purpose, though. I don't know about you, but when I read those stories, there's two chapters, chapter 17 and 18 in the Bible of 1 Kings. When I read that, man, I cannot help but to get pumped. As my, my old friend Robert Guerrero used to say, he, goes, he used to say, Pastor, it makes me want to kick a tree. <laughs> don't go kick a tree. <laughs> you, you, know, you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do a hospital visit afterwards. So anyways, but but listen, I mean, I get jacked when I read it. It's almost like when I when I think about it, uh, you, you know, I think about what, what's what's this guy's favorite word when he talks about God. Wow. That's what I think about when I read it. Am I the only one that you're like, holy smokes, that, that is awesome to see how God moved through this man and how his partnership with God. Now listen, it, it's a great reminder on one hand that God still honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Right? Do you understand that God likes it when we pray bold prayers? Listen, gang, please get out of your head that, well, I can only really pray for this because this is, this is what he can do. But I can't pray about all of this that I really need him to do because I don't have the faith to believe he can do it. Is that too straight? If we believe that, man, there's power in the name and that all things are possible, man, let's go for broke. Yeah? Amen. Now, listen. You may be sitting here this morning, and, and we're, we're going to close not too long after this. But listen, you may be sitting here thinking, "Okay, Pastor, that's cute stories, great. All right." But what in the world does it have to do with me? What does Elijah, a guy that lived a long time ago, thousands of years ago, what does he have to do with me? And uh, I want you to know, I'm glad you asked. It's the best question. It's the best question you've asked me all day. <laughs> Let me answer it by giving you two verses. Let's look at James five sixteen and 18. It says the earnest. Somebody say the fervent. fervent. Oh, that was not fervent. fervent. Come on. Somebody say fervent. fervent. Here we go. So it says the earnest or the fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power. And produces wonderful results. I personally like the way the New International Version, the NIV Version says. It says that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. I love that. Watch this. Here's why we're reading it. Verse 17. Here's revelation for the day. Elijah was as human as we are. So we said all of that so we could understand that. That Elijah was a dude. A normal guy, right? And just a normal fella, same skin, same emotions, all that, just as we are. How often do we view him different? All the time. But the, but but here's watch this. Did, did the Holy Spirit not write the Bible? If you don't know that, yes, okay, yes. Just trust me. The Holy Spirit inspired men to write the Bible. So here's James, right? Here's James, the guy's the brother of Jesus. He is writing the book of James. Am I right with that? Okay. Okay. Writing the the book of James. And and he is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write that, guess what? That the prayers of righteous men and women are powerful and effective. And it says this. Hey, you all look back at Elijah and go, ooh and ah, because Elijah had significance in the Jewish culture. Because they all looked at him because he didn't die right. The chair came and got him. And they said, you guys all look at him like he's amazing. But I I want you to know today that he's not that different than you. And then it goes on, it says this. We'll just read it for reading's sake. It says, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. There's where we get our three and a half. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. How many of you guys know it's, it's time to bear fruit again? Yes. All right, let me give you four things. We're going to wrap this up, okay? Four things that I want you to grab from those two scriptures. The first one is this. The first one is is that there's no such thing as pedestal Christians. That's so simple. It's simple, but we don't live like it. <laughs> right? It's it's this. What I'm trying to do today is try to get us to connect in our heart, or maybe this, to disconnect unbelief and to connect into what's right. It's a renewing of the mind. That, In other words, there's there's this thing that's prevailed in the church for so long. That's not just only Elijah and Moses and David and all those guys that we all go, ah, right? But but it's also this, that man, because that guy's got a pastor title, apostle title, prophet title, whatever it is. And somehow that guy's got a better line to heaven than I do. That's a lie. It's a lie. Are y'all hearing me today? It's a lie. See, there's this thing that we got to begin to understand that God hears and he is willing to answer our prayers just as much as anybody else's. Amen. I I just want you to believe that. Right? Listen, that God hears and answers our prayers just as much as anyone else's. Why? Because the same God that lives inside of them lives inside of us. So don't go ooh and ah. Go ooh and ah over Jesus. Maybe if we get our eyes off of those people and get them on Jesus, we'd get better results. (laughs) Amen? I mean, listen, the the day, listen, I realize that we all have positions and we all do, you know, I get all that, but I don't have to run every time to somebody and it may not be a pastor, but just someone I respect because I think somehow they got a greater, greater ear, you know, to whatever that God turns his ear to them better than he turns them to me to understand that I can, I can hit my face, hit my knees, lift my hands, lift my voice, whatever. And God's going to hear it the exact same way. The the only difference is is this, because there is a difference. The only difference is it comes down to a matter of faith and expectancy. That's it. That's it. Once again, same God that is inside of you. Okay? But what happens is, is what's the difference? Is that person just believes more than you do. So that means we got to get in the Word. And we got to get our faith into a spot where we can begin to believe it. And when we pray that we have an expectancy with it. Amen? Can I say something to you guys? Kind of a little bit off the point. I love how I ask those questions. Like I'm not going to say what I'm going to say. But li- listen, if if stand up, babe. All right. So said <laughs> it clearer that time. All right. So listen, if we're sitting in church, and you know how many times lift your hands. You're the worship leader. Lift your hands. All right. So um, and and I'm sitting in church, you know, and I got I got Andrew. You'll like this. I I got you know when the partial phase. Right, I'm, my faith only goes so far. Right, so I'm sitting here and I go, man, hey, today's all right. It's all right. And and you know, and I somehow glance over at her because I'm kind of not interested, and she's just weeping, and the Holy Ghost is all on her, and she's touched and she's crying. The difference between this and that, and I'm gonna say, every time you get with God, you got to have a meltdown. Okay, it's not what I'm saying, but. <laughs> But but there should be an awareness of Him. The difference between me and and her at that moment is more than likely she came expecting and I didn't. It's pretty simple, right? And so and so when we pray, you did amazing. Um, so think about when we pray, we can go, Um, God, if if you can, if it's Your will, and if you can somehow. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but if you can do it. Right? Or if we pray with expectancy. Amen? Let me say this. Let me move on. Um, Whatever. Should we really be surprised when God answers our prayers? Isn't that so true? Yeah, amen. I like you five people. Y'all did awesome. Listen, if we believe or not that God is. A God of partiality, right? We, we, we say, you know, God, you're not a God of partiality. You, look, what you do for one, you'll do for another. Amen? Now, listen, how can you and I be so confident that this is true? I want you to look at the second thing here. Number two is this, is that he has made every believer righteous. He has made every believer righteous. Remember we said the NIV version says that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. So what I'm trying to tell you today is that your prayers... Are powerful and effective. And some, some of us get so caught up on, well, I don't know if I'm righteous. Quit arguing with the Bible. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says something really good. It says, for God, talking about God the Father, made Christ who never sinned to be the sin offering for our sin. Do you get that? He died, right? So that we could be made right with God through Christ. I like the way the New King James actually says it. It says that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So watch this. I know this is hard because there's a spot where we want to live holy lives, where we make decisions to live holy lives and to live righteous for God. I'm not taking away from that. I I am hardcore in that stuff. Okay, that's right. But there comes a time where I quit striving for righteousness and I just accept that I already am righteous. Amen. And because, watch this, and because I'm righteous, because I'm righteous, it makes my prayers powerful and effective. But if I continue to go, oh, woe is me, then I'll never pray with expectancy and faith because I'll somehow feel like that God's got to somehow, some way, go out of his way to, to look upon me and my just pitiful self and dirty self to go, okay, maybe I'll answer something. That's not Bible. Amen? Amen? All right, so listen. So, the righteousness part, we say, man, the righteousness of God, right in Christ Jesus, that qualifies me. L- listen, if you hear anything today, hear this point and then you can check out, all right? But hear this point. The righteousness of God qualifies me to be God's partner in prayer. I'm going to say this in a very nice way, okay? I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say it. <laughs> One of the most incorrect doctrines that's ever been taught to the body of Christ is that God is sovereign and whatever will be, will be. So incorrect. Now watch this. Is there a side that God is sovereign? Yes, he's sovereign. But watch this, please. And don't write me off as a heretic before you hear me out, okay? As incredible as it sounds, a sovereign, all-sufficient God has made a sovereign choice to limit himself in certain situations to the prayers of his children. I'm scaring some of you. Watch this. If the doctrine, and I mean, listen, I, when I showed up here, I ended up meeting a pastor and his wife, and they said, they literally told me. They said, well, God is sovereign. What will be, will be. My response to them was, well, what's the purpose of prayer then? If whatever God's going to do, He's just going to do in spite of me, in spite of all of our whatever we do, then why did He say pray? Well, that, I mean, listen, that's not some theological response, but it sure does shoot that false doctrine in the foot quickly. Right? Are y'all with me today? So listen, listen, it has always, always, always been His plan to work on earth with and through us, not independently of us. I'm going to read that again, hopefully on the screen. It has always been his plan to work on earth with and through us, not independently of us. All we have to do, gang, is go back to the garden. That's it. At that point, he made Adam and Eve stewards, guess what, of creation. Guess what? We are still stewards of creation. I can prove that to you theologically, but I don't have time. All right? So maybe some other time. Listen, we also saw this principle, this truth, in First King 18. Once again, listen, as amazing as it sounds, even though it was God's will and it was God's timing for rain to come, guess what? He still needed Elijah to pray. Watch this. If you understand that Elijah's asking, and that my asking, and that you're asking, somehow releases him to do what he's going to do. Watch this. There's more Bible, and I'm only going to give you, there, there's so much more to what I'm going to give you today. But other examples of this would be James four two, we're going to go fast. You have not, you have not, you have not, you have not, because you ask not. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people would humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. Psalm 2 says, if we ask for the lost, those who don't know God, then he will give them to us as our inheritance. Watch this. Did Jesus not teach us your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Did he not teach us to pray that? Why? Because there's a partnership that must take place. Listen, Jesus said this. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it first. So what happened is Jesus would see the father doing something and then he would pray into it and then it would happen. Y'all follow me. Maybe the best one is this. This is Ezekiel 22, 30. He said this. He said, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. The very next verse says basically because he couldn't find anyone in the gap, he had to come and he had to basically punish the people for the decisions that they made. But he's saying, man, if I could have just found one fella." One lady to stand in the gap, it would have diverted the entire thing. Wow, huh? So don't ever think that your prayers are meaningless. Amen? There's a gap between God and man, and as the intercessors, we stand in that gap to try to repair it. Amen? Let me give you another verse, and, and I didn't give it to you guys today because it didn't hit me until we were praying. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew 17. Are you guys okay? I'll try to wrap this up quick. Here we go. Matthew 17. We'll try to get out here by 1130. Matthew chapter 17. Will not be on the screen. Here we go. Verse 14. If you're there, say, oh yeah. It says this. It says, and when they had come to the multitude. So let me rewind. Jesus, um, Peter, and James, and John had been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had that amazing encounter. When they come down off the hill, we come to 14. Right? It says, and when they had come... To the multitude, the man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. This is a father talking for he is an epileptic and suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. We know that basically what that means is that demons would literally throw him in the water and throw him in the fire. He was so possessed he would just lose control and the demons would try to kill him. So verse 16 says, so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Get that. "O faithless. How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Watch this, last part, verse 21. says, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. A few things here. If it was just God's sovereign will that that boy was going to be free from the devil, do you think when they prayed for him that would automatically happen? Yeah, but guess what? But they still lacked this part, once again, of expectancy and faith. And Jesus comes down and he goes, hey, look, I know I see the Father doing it. Let me pray into it. Here's faith. And the boy gets free. But watch this. Here's a little small lesson. Hopefully I'm not confusing you here. But he comes down and says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. It's been said that there's two things here. That the first thing is this. That that demon could, was so strong that it could only come out through prayer and fasting. You me to tell you what I believe that scripture says? That the only way that that doubt can leave and unbelief is through prayer and fasting. Amen? All right. We got to hustle up. All right. Let me give you an example of this. And we'll land here. Let me give you an example of a, of a lady standing in the gap. And I know we got some school teachers and people that work with kids, maybe it's at your work. Take it for whatever example you want to give here. I thought that was my phone. That was awesome. All right. So listen, what, let me tell you a story. Basically, it's about an elementary school teacher's classroom. Basically, this lady was a third grade teacher. Every one of her kids that were in her classroom came from really difficult situations. Some were from single parents. Some were from basically dysfunctional families. Some are unnourished or uncared for. Some live in abusive homes and others were beaten, bruised. And she even had some that had been raped. And then one of the little girl's dad had even died of AIDS. Listen, the, the list kind of went on. But here's what happened. This teacher, she knew the situation of all these third graders and her heart was just broken for them. Y'all hang, hang in here with me just for a few minutes. But watch this. She did this because she understood the word. She said, uh, basically, before the school year began, her and her husband went to the classroom, and they prayed over each desk in the room. And they prayed that God would place an angel behind each and every child throughout the coming year to watch over them and protect them. A month or so after the year started, she gave, basically, the kids an assignment. Okay, And the assignment was this. is basically, when you grow up, what do you want to do? And as the kids were working, about 30 minutes in, one of the little kids, his name was Andrew, lifted his hand, and he said, How do you spell Mighty? And she answered this question. She, she spelt it. And then she said, uh, she felt that nudge. Well, why do you ask? He said, because I want to be a mighty man of God when I grow up. Then, uh, you know, she was like, yes. And the little kid named Mark in the class said, what's a mighty man of God? And she knew that because of law, she couldn't answer the question. So she says, Andrew, why don't you answer Mark's question? And Andrew said this. He said, a mighty man of God is someone who knows how to put on the armor of God and they're a soldier for God. Now watch this. Good answer, but here's where it gets really good. The teacher began to turn away. She said she had a lump in her throat. And as she went to turn away, she noticed that Andrew had his little finger. And she was, he was saying, come here. So she walked over to him and bent down to him and he whispered in her ear. She said, he said, do you believe in angels? She said, yeah, I do. He said, do you believe people can see angels? She said, yeah, I believe some people can. She goes, because I see angels behind everyone's desk. (laughs) Y'all hear me today. Listen, that that classroom... Became a place of comfort and safety. Became a true refuge for those children. Why? Because one woman dared to believe and she dared to pray bold prayers because she believed in the power of prayer. Are you all with me today? Listen, just if you're a teacher, take that. Do that, please. There's times where I will come in here and I'll go and I'll pray over every seat. And I just believe God's going to move. Let me say this. Hopefully I'm, I know I'm going long. It's all right. Stacy, you can keep counting. So <laughs> I've told you this before, but there's a, there's a couple that comes to our church. They're an older couple. The, the husband was, uh, he was a really good sinner, really, really good. And I won't go into all of his story, but a really good sinner. And she got born again, full of the Holy Ghost, and she started going to church. And she would literally go to her church. I've been to the sanctuary. It's about 300 seats. And she would sit down in her seat, and she would pray over the seat next to her. She'd sit in the same spot every week, and she'd pray, Father, I thank you that this is my husband's chair. Thank you for saving him. Thank you for blah, 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 blah. Time passed. She kept praying. She didn't give up. He got one morning. He says, let's go to church. Get that. I mean, if you knew this guy's story, you're like, man, dude, that's the last place you need to be. All right. So anyways, the right place he needs to be. Don't get me wrong. But but you're just saying the last place he would expect to go. And so they walk into the sanctuary and he goes, well, where do you want to sit at? He goes, just go where you normally sit and I'll sit there. She said, no, you, you pick where we sit today. And that man walked in a 300 seat auditorium and he sat down in the seat that she's been praying for, for all those, how much, every time. That's not an accident, guys. So so listen, I mean, don't think, listen, that's bold. God, That that chair, that, wow, right? God hears. All right, let's move. All right, so watch this, last point, number four, we'll be done. When we begin to understand that we are righteous, right? When we understand that we are righteous and we take our rightful place in the gap... Number four, this is when our prayers become powerful and effective. This is when our prayers become powerful and effective. Let me maybe say this to you really quick. Our prayers are powerful because He is powerful. Once again, quit looking at ourselves. Right? Because when we look at ourselves, if you're like me, you're not that impressed. Right? I, I look at me when I take, when I take just like this introspective, boy, I get discouraged. Maybe it's just me. Maybe you think you're awesome. Okay, but 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 in prayer, I got to get my eyes off me and get my eyes on him, because once again, I realize where the power comes from. It's not for me. Amen. So let me just maybe ask you a question about powerful and effective. Why would God ask us to represent him on earth without giving us the means to do it well? Why would he do? It? Why would he say, "You know what? You're my son. You're my daughter. Represent me." We all know what it's like to have our kids, right? Misrepresent you and represent you really well. Sometimes they make you proud. Sometimes you want to beat their legs off of them, right? But you go, "Man, you did good today." Or, "I'm getting a I'm gonna kill you," right? So, but but why why would God send us into this world and say, "You know what? All all authority." And power has been given to me. And guess what? He, gives, he shares it with us. And he says, hey, go represent me. But why would you do that and then you know, leave us where we can halfway do it? He just doesn't. So watch this. Let me kind of give you something here, just a thought. And this is maybe a little unique. A few months ago, I read this book about John G. Lake called The Adventures in God. And the whole book, it's a small book. It's nothing but basically miracles it's provision, healing, demons getting cast out, dead getting raised, I mean, you name it, boom, it's there. And I read it, and all the stories were awesome. I loved reading it, but there was something that grabbed me. And there was something that this guy prayed when he would pray for people occasionally. And the reason it grabbed me, I think, is because I never heard it before. It was so unique and so different. He would say this, Father, I prayed that the lightnings of heaven would touch them." So he prayed that the lightnings of heaven. I was like, what in the world is he talking about? The lightnings of heaven. But, it, you, know, you know, once again, you know how God will grab you and then you kind of move on. And then it's like, oh, there's my. I was reading another book the other day and it, and, and it talked about a verse in Job. And it said this. Stop me dead in my tracks. It's Job thirty six thirty two. It's talking about God. It says he covers his hands with lightning. And commands it to strike the mark. This is good, y'all, okay? This is good. If you didn't get that last thing, get this thing, all right? So, listen, he covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. The words there, strike the mark, in the Hebrew is actually translated as intercession. So this verse in context is talking about prayer. So let me tell you what happens, and we're going to close, all right? Here's what happens, is that basically, if you can imagine, we're praying for these things, right? And we pray... And we believe God, right? Our prayers go up to God. what this is saying. Our prayers go up to God. It's the picture. Our prayers go up to God. God hears our prayers. And then from his hand, he sends down lightning on the very thing that we have requested from him. Now, watch this. Here's what's interesting. Lightning can get up to 45,000 degrees. Watch, that's pretty hot. Right, split a tree like a toothpick. Right, I mean it's amazing. So li- listen, that that's what picture God is using to describe the power of prayer. That literally, what's this? That and this is why we don't quit. There's names on here that you love, people. There's names. Don't stop praying. Don't stop standing in the gap. I don't want. This isn't a guilt trip. This is just motivation. But I don't want to get before God one day and God will go, you know what? Why didn't you ever stand in the gap for them? I want to stand in the gap, and not out of works of legalism, but just faith and belief that the power of prayer works. And be willing to pray bold prayers and say, God, do it. God, do it. Listen, y'all, I, I told y'all a hundred times. I talked to my mom yesterday on the phone, and she was so fired up about her church. And there was a time where I said, it will be, literally, it will be a miracle if that woman gets saved. <laughs> Listen, the all Cannot believe I'm about to say this. The only time God came out of her mouth is when damn was attached to it. Okay? There was no consciousness of God. And Jesus, what? Lightnings. Because <sighs> 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 I didn't quit praying. Jesus saved my mom. Are you all with me? And thank God. And you she's now she's talking about our church is going to have six services for Easter. <laughs> I'm only going to work two of them, though. <laughs> it's like, that's... How awesome, though. My mom is saved. Ah! Y'all don't know. <laughs> that woman used to beat me to no end. All right. So anyways, it's. All right. You stand to your feet. I had another good story I wanted to share with you, but I'm not going to share it. Just want you to leave wondering what it was. But uh, anyways. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Awesome. Here's the encouragement for you today. Don't quit. Get your mind right. Get your attitude right. Man, shuck off that garbage that you've been taught. Right? You know what I mean by that? That, you know, basically that just basically removes the power of prayer. Believe in the power of prayer and let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Listen, there's never been a revival in history that's ever come. If it's in an individual's life or a home or in a church or a region that hasn't been preceded by prayer. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray, and I'm going to give you two announcements, and then we're going to hit the road. So throw your hands up if you don't mind, just in faith, just receiving. Thanks for hanging in there with me today. Father, we thank you today, God, for your word. God, we thank you that it is right. It is right, it is right, it is right. So, God, today we give you permission, God, to remove anything that we've been taught, God, that doesn't line up with what's right. Father, today, Lord, in our hearts, help us to believe, to believe, to believe, God, that you hear our prayers. And, God, not only do you hear them, but, God, you'll send down lightnings, God, to hit the mark every time we pray. Father, we believe that today. Father, thank you that there's power in prayer. Thank you that we don't have to sit back and just admire somebody and go, ooh and ah, how awesome they are in the kingdom. But maybe we should sit and go, man, I'm awesome in the kingdom. God help us to believe that today. Help us to walk in our identity as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Help us to stand in the gap for people. Help us to believe that our prayers are powerful and effective. Father, we thank you for doing that in us today. And Lord, we pray just, just I just ask God as a church, Lord, that we'd be a praying church. I just ask that we'd be a praying people. And so, Lord, wherever we're at on our journey, God, it's not about time. But Lord, I, I'm really just today expectation and faith when we pray. Lord, stirred that up in us. Yes, Father. Father, we thank you for doing all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.